Hello, and welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher, what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them, and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Teacher Tales. Today, I have a very special guest from Georgia. Her name is Adrian. So Adrian, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, yes, thank you for having me. Um, like you said, my name is Adrian, and I am a Spanish teacher in Georgia. This is actually my 15th year teaching. Um, and I have spent all 15 years at the same high school. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's how much I love the high school. Um, and I met my husband there, actually, the very first year <laughs> that I w- it was pre planning. Um, I moved to Georgia that June, we met in August. Um, and we have been together ever since. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's kind of an interesting story. <laughs> it is, you know, and I just want to interject here that like, I have taught in schools where couples, you know, had met at the school and who, you know, people don't usually think of that, you know, especially kids. They don't think teachers have real lives, you know, that they oh, I know just outside of school, but to have, you know, to tell them like, yes, we had a romantic pre-planning, you know, <laughs> stuff. That probably blows people's minds and stuff. Yes. Like, what was yes. your first date? It was a trip. <laughs> I know, I know. It was a professional development training. Yes, and we actually, we kept our relationships under wraps for years. Um, I mean, clear, and we both lived within the district, so we were really secretive about it, and we just, um, we obviously didn't want everybody in our business um, but then he decided to go to another school once things got really serious and we were talking about marriage. And so we decided, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, let's, let's take the professional <laughs> pressure, seeing each other every day, all of that, that could turn into a mess out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but very interesting. So, so yes, yeah, so I've been there for 15 years, um, and I have taught all of the levels except for four, Um, And so currently I'm teaching, I teach level five, I teach AP language and culture, and I teach level two. Um, And yeah, and I still love it most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's it's an ebb and flow thing, right? Yes, it is. And teaching has its full moons as well. We're a little bit, you know, like lunacy. (laughs) Totally. And it it has its seasons as well. And I've been through those seasons where it was, where I was seriously questioning what I was doing and Mm -hmm. did I want to stay and is this the right decision? And then there were seasons when it was, this is the best 
career in the world. (laughs) Who does not want to be a teacher? And um, this season is is a little bit of of both, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Yeah, I I love the way you call it seasons. That that that's such a great way to look at it because sometimes, and I I went through those in my career too, and I have a lot of friends and even you know family members that are in a very difficult season right now in teaching and yeah yeah maybe it's like the dead of winter right now we're just yes warm up um and for things to blossom again and stuff and so maybe to think of it in those terms that it's not forever uh, yes feel like that it can really feel like that totally i have actually i have recently i would say within like the last two years i've been doing a lot of kind of self-help <laughs> things, mm-hmm. listening to a lot of self-help um, podcasts, being in small women's groups, things like that, a, a lot of that intentional focus. And so the, the term season and actually what you just said, the idea of the winter season being kind of that dead season um, where people um, can sometimes get kind of, you know, sad, feel depressed, feel like things are ending, like nothing's going to bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that has really stuck with me. So, um, just like you, you said, I feel like season has, has been a good term that I've been using for a lot of, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of different, um, themes. Yes. And yeah. the idea of the self-care and, uh, you know, self-help, like sometimes, you know, we, it's hard to, you know, pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and keep going. And so we're learning, I think, through the pandemic, and uh, especially teachers are learning that that preventive care sort of thing, you know, whether it's like with teeth and brushing your teeth and using a fluoride toothpaste or whatever to prevent cavities is the same thing in teaching. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And absolutely. And and so we're going to just slide right into the fact that a colleague of yours and a friend of mine um, and colleague, Meredith, nominated you to um, be a guest here on Teacher Tales. And she said that you are one of the most thoughtful, organized, and balanced people she has ever known in her life. So, so what do you think about that? How do you so balanced and organized, that sounds like the self-care and the self-help, you know, check, check, because that's how we <laughs> say balanced and organized. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it is, I'm, I'm again going to start that by saying that I think it's, it, it's very um, interesting how people might, might notice things in you that you find is a, is a, is a point of struggle also mm-hmm. <laughs> in your life or something that you feel like you really need to intentionally work on. And the balance is something that, um, and that, that challenge is something that really forced me into taking a step back and reevaluating what I was doing and how I was spending my time and what my priorities were. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to just live better, um, honestly. And and so I think that for me, um, I am a a mother also. I have um, now a 13 month old. 
um, who I, I delivered in April of last year. So right kind of at the, the beginning of the pandemic. And then I have a five-year-old. And I would say that for me, um, a little after I had my five-year-old is when, um, and I'm sure most working mothers <laughs> kind of have the same, the same issue in terms of, um, oh my gosh, this is suddenly like working full-time and especially in something like teaching where teaching is not just a nine to five. You don't just go to school and do a little teaching, <laughs> do a little teaching here and there. And then you come home and there's nothing to do. And then you just go right back into it the next day without thinking about it. Teaching is um, for many people, it can become your, your life. You know, it can, it can encompass everything, all of your emotions and, and things like that. We carry it home. And when I had my daughter suddenly that really changed for me. Um, and I, and I would also say that it was around that time too, when, um, colleagues like Meredith and some other really awesome colleagues started coming into our department. And so we suddenly had like all of these super creative and innovative um, new teachers who for me, um, it, it, it was kind of like a personal professional um, awakening of the, the, what have I been doing? <laughs> in my career? What have I been doing, you know, that all of these years? Um, what, what should I be doing um, in terms of, of teaching and outside of teaching? And then how do I balance all of that? Um, and so I really had to take a step back. And I had to think to myself, number one, what are my priorities? Because your top priorities can't be everything. Um, and I had to figure that out the hard way. You know, it is literally impossible. <laughs> there just are not that many hours of the day and we just don't have the kind of energy or, or it, at least I don't. Um, and from the conversations that I have had with friends, with family, um, it seems to me that that's the case with everybody else. We cannot put 100% into every single thing. And people who say that they can are probably not telling the truth. <laughs> Um, and so really it, it was for me determining and reevaluating what are my main priorities? What can I honestly spend the majority of my energy on? What do I want to spend the majority of my energy on? Um, and how to rebalance that, um, you know, before I had children, um, I, I feel like teaching and doing, doing the extracurricular stuff that I did when I was teaching, it filled in a lot of those, those needs and those holes that honestly, right now being a mother fulfills, um, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so at, at this point in my life, I have had to, and, and I still sometimes have to remind myself of this, that I have to be okay with saying no to certain things because I just, I have to spend my energy elsewhere. You know, I might not be able to be the coach of this 
and the club sponsor of this um, <laughs> and proctor this. Um, and that takes all of these hours outside of school. Um, even though I might want to, I just can't do it. And, so, and, and, and I have had to be okay with that. Um, and so I think that at, that at this point now, like I, I have come to a, um, to an acceptance of this is again, the season of life that I'm in. I'm happy with this season um, and I am being fulfilled still by, by the teaching, by my students um, and by my family um, and my friends and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so hopefully it's that that she's kind of seeing me, you know, not trying to compare myself with what everybody else does because everybody else doesn't have my life and I don't have everybody else's life. Um, and if we don't accept that, and if we're not content with that, then that's what then kind of turns into, you know, feeling either threatened by other teachers who might have the time that you don't have, um, you know, or just being completely overwhelmed because you're saying yes, and you're trying to be everything to everyone. There's a lot that comes up on social media about that, like super teachers and there's yeah. a, there's a um, cultural um, stigma about yes. teachers need to do a million percent or they're not a good teacher. And so the outside world is telling us that and then we internalize it and then we tell ourselves that. But if you take um, the prioritize, if we can do it in a visual, it's like a seesaw or a scale. And if you put too many things, like you said, prioritize, you can only have so many priority doesn't mean everything. It, yes. It a few, and you put them in one side and then in the other, and how does it balance out? If you put too much into one side, it's going to tip over. Absolutely. And I, I have found too, that I think that as, as teachers, one of the challenges too, with that is that Sometimes when you make that decision that, you know, okay, I'm going to say no to this because I don't have the time, then you start questioning, like, does that mean that I don't care about my students? Does that mean that I don't love what I do? Does that mean, you know, what does that mean? Maybe it just means that you're human <laughs> and you, again, literally there are only 24 hours in the day and you can't be everywhere at one time. And unless and, and honestly, the way that my schedule is, unless I literally am saying to my children, you know, five-year-old go watch TV for several hours, or I ignore my one-year-old, or I just put him off on another, um, fan, uh, on, on another relative, because my, my husband um, is also a high school teacher, but then he is also a sergeant um, for the sheriff's department. And so he works... Um, literally sometimes all day he'll work at school and then he does part-time and he recently got promoted. So he's been doing a lot of trainings and stuff. Um, and so after school, he will work in the evening. So it is, it is just me when I come home. Um, and so unless I am literally doing that and ignoring them to focus on other things um, or leaving them at school, it is impossible for me to do some of the things that, that I would want to do um, or to, to be the teacher that I was 
before I had children for, for, for me and for my life. Um, but yeah, that's, that's totally one of the feelings that comes up is what does that mean? Do I love my students? Do I not love my students? And I agree. I think that this idea that, um, that, that we are heroes and that being a hero means that I should be willing to sacrifice everything that I am, sacrifice my family, sacrifice all of my relationships, my time and my sanity for my students in their education, that means you're a good teacher. And I find that message to be really disturbing, to be honest, um, and, and disheartening. Um, and especially this year, I think that that has put, it coupled with everything else, um, it has really pushed a lot of teachers out of education. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I'm hearing a lot of teachers that are leaving and that's yeah. it. And I think that, you know, that I've thought about this a lot with teaching, uh, especially now with all of the evaluations and the testing and the standards and everything, the overall overarching message to teachers and students is you're not enough. Yeah. You don't do enough. You're not smart enough. You're not organized enough, you're not committed enough, you're not all of these things. And, and so we, you know, we're trying to always prove that we are enough to other people and where it comes in handy is to learn boundaries. And sometimes you have to be totally face planted, buried under a weight that you feel like you're never going to be able to get out from under. And then you say that enough is enough literally yes. enough is enough and I am enough and I'm going to set very clear boundaries. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And I, I have found that, um, I mean, even to, to Meredith and I am glad that, that she sees that, that, that what, what she sees is that I am organized and balanced. Um, that's an everyday decision sometimes that I truly have to make. Um, because like you said, we're just inundated with that message. Um, but absolutely it, it really is for, for me, it is an intentional decision to have to say, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> and not only am I not listening to that, but I made a decision a while ago to say that, that no, I am enough and that I am trying, um, my best to do right by my kids. I know that I love them. Um, and I know that I want what's best for them. Um, but teaching is not all of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I also know that I can't be, I I can't do right by them if I'm not right mentally. (laughs) And if my family also is not healthy, um, and as a wife and as a mother, that's, that's my responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and right now that's my first responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm going to take that seriously. You've seen, I've seen a lot of this on social media too. Um, just one version is if your gas tank's empty, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. You got to fill the gas tank and you've got to figure out what it is that fills that gas tank and grading more papers and checking more boxes and spending more hours after school is not it. It is not not your gas tank. Your gas tank is basically like your heart and your soul. And in teaching kids do that. 
relationships with kids do that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what brings you joy in teaching and what do you love about your kids? You know, and I, so there's, there's so much that I love about my kids. I think that with high school, I'm going to answer this question first, and then I'm going to go to the joy question. Um, But with teaching high school, one of the things that I love about my kids is the relationships that I'm able to create with them and just talking with them about life. Um, And I have found that at least for me, and this is kind of partly moving into the joy issue. Um, I, I love teaching Spanish and it used to be that when I first started, it was kind of all about like, you know, the language, the language, the language and wanting them to speak the language. And, um, it is not so much now. (laughs) Um, it is, it, it is much more about, um, just being a positive influence in their lives, getting to know them as young adults. Um, and be just having the, the blessing of knowing that I am an influence in this particular stage of their life. Um, it's just absolutely awesome to me. And I think that the older that I've gotten, and the less that it has become about me, because <laughs> it used to kind of be, you know, just like, I want to be cool. And I want the students to like me and to leave my class and be like, this Riley's the funny teacher and the cool teacher and blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, I want to truly see them happy and thrive. And um, I have just seen in the, the, the years that I have been teaching the anxiety, like there just seems to be so much more anxiety and depression in the kids. Um, and so I, I think that, that, you know, seeing that and, and the influence that technology, the negative influence that technology and just kind of all of this has had on the students you know, I, I love just having that relationship with them and just being able to talk to them about, about whatever. Um, and that is so much more important to me, I think, than just kind of being the awesome Spanish teacher. Um, so yes, that's what I love about the students. They're just, and, and, and they're just funny (laughs) and, you know, just, just awesome. Um, what really brings me joy, and this has changed also as I have gotten older um, and throughout my career, but um, like I said, it used to be the idea of seeing them kind of having fun and speaking Spanish in class. Um, and I would maybe say that that's because it would leave you feeling at the end of the day like, man, that was a great lesson. <laughs> Man, I'm a cool teacher. <laughs> they laughed at those jokes. Um, and then as I, as, as, as I got older and I started having students, um, and these were students also who they would sit in the class and um, they were not very strong academic students. They were the students who would be disruptions in the class who you would kind of wish like, like, why are you not 
absent ever because every time you're here, like you either don't work or, you know, you're disrupting something or um, you're rude or whatever. And then they would come back, you know, years later or a, a year later or whatever um, with a note or an email or, or literally face to face. And they would mention how, even if you didn't know it, what you said to them or just how you were, it influenced their lives. Um, and 15 years in, um, I have had the pleasure and the joy of being able to experience that, that many times and having students now who, like I've been to their baby showers or um, been invited to weddings and um, things like that. And so now the joy is again in, in just realizing and knowing that I can honestly influence some of these kids um, in a way that I might never ever realize. Um, and that what is truly important is not that these kids are leaving my class and they're being able to speak a full sentence in Spanish, but that these kids are leaving my class and they have felt that at least you know, Miss Riley loves them. Miss Riley was here for them. Um, or she, she was compassionate and understanding. Um, not that I let them get away with everything, but that I taught them also maybe how to set some healthy boundaries, things like that, just to really, um, to, to, to influence them holistically as people, you know, as young people and not just as students who impact my numbers, <laughs> my scores as a teacher, right. you know, and that, that, that has really given me now at this stage, the most joy in, in looking back. Boundaries again, and like one early on in my career, I had a, a student who just would pitch a fit in class, and I, this was in an element, elementary school because um, I've been in elementary, middle, high school, college, preschool, you know, all of the yeah. levels. And the 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 young girl would just keep acting out, throwing temper tantrums and everything, and so I. F found a book about, I don't something about the strong-willed child, or uh -huh. I think that's what the name of it was. And that was my first encounter, I think, with understanding boundaries and how children that are disruptive and misbehave in class or that act out, they really are looking for a boundary because when you yeah. set a boundary, it says, I care. Yeah. And it says, I gotcha you're not out of control. Yeah. You can, you can, you can perform, you can be yourself within this little safe circle that we're yes. You're not outside of the circle out of control. Yes. That's, that's a lifelong lesson that it doesn't, they, you know, whatever the lesson was, the verb you conjugated, the math problem you did or whatever goes out the window, but yes. remember that you set a boundary and you cared. And that you were a role model for good behavior, you know, and absolutely places. They do that. Yes. yes. And you know, honestly, that I I can still remember when that realization hit me. Um, it was early on, but it's kind of a terrifying 
(laughs) realization. When you think about how much influence you could possibly have over another human being. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it really does force you to consider who you are in, in front of these young minds and what it is that they are seeing and how you are responding to how they are. Um, it, it, it really can be terrifying to think that either this, this child could leave my classroom and think, you know, thank God that I had this teacher Um, this teacher really influenced me in a positive way, or, you know, I hate school. And this teacher has just reaffirmed the fact that I can't stand school, or this teacher has just reaffirmed that I think that I'm nothing, or that I think that I'm stupid or not capable, or that I'm nothing but trouble. Um, You know, all of these things. Um, I mean, there there were students, and I am still in contact with some of them to this day, but students who I just would have never met, like I I thought hated me, (laughs) you you know, in the moment when you're in, when you're in that moment in class, uh, students who, I mean, just totally like miserably failed my class, Um, never listened um, and would stare at you like, you are just the most boring and I can't stand you, you know, why am I in this class? And so you, you would have thought that at the end of the semester, that child would have left and been like, thank God I'm not in that class anymore. Cause that was the worst. And yet here they do coming back and, and they're like this thing that you said. And I know that you might not have realized that, but there was so much going on in my life that I just couldn't, outwardly show, but now that I'm older, I remember this thing or I appreciate whatever. And it has nothing to do with Spanish. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Exactly. And that's what we have to remember. And I just want to make a connection back to what we were talking to talking about earlier about that self-care piece and, and um, going inside yourself and figure out, figuring out what you need so you can show up every day and be your best self. Because yes. what I see a lot of times, and I've been there too, where I was doing too much, I took on too much and I was getting burned out and I didn't have as much patience. I wasn't sleeping as well. I was tired. And so that fuse gets very short. And in an instant, you can be like that with a kid and say something. And then you're like, oh no, I didn't yeah. mean that. I mean, we do it all the time because we're human, but if we become more aware and we do take care of ourselves and say, like you said, I am going to make a conscious choice every day and I am going to be, it's going to be in my mind. I am a role model. I am someone who is influencing this child's life and I have a choice every single day. Am I going to make it a positive, nurturing, loving experience? Yes. Takes hyperventilating during the day because I'm taking so many deep breaths. Yeah. Am I going to traumatize the child? Exactly. School. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I have found too, and this is one thing also that I love about high school is that I feel like I can really be real with them. Um, That most of them are very understanding because a lot of them too are going through I mean, more stress than I 
could even imagine. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I had a very good upbringing and I loved school. And so what a lot of these students go through at, you know, 15, 16, I, I can't even imagine what they go through. But um, anyway, just being open with them. And if I haven't had time to grade this thing, and I'm gonna be honest, that is often <laughs> that it's like in my mind, I'm like, I will grade this thing immediately to give them feedback. And that's my, you know, and that hardly ever happens. Um, but to be real with him and to say, I, I appreciate you all's patience, you know, and I am not trying to give all of these excuses, but you know, my goal is to try to have these things graded by this time. I'm trying my hardest to do such and such. And so I appreciate you all's patience with just, you know, me trying to balance everything. And um, a lot of them are like, it's, it's cool. It's fine. You know, I too have a job and all of this homework and this big project and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, again, it shows them, I think that I'm also human, <laughs> that I have a life. Um, and that I, that, that this is real life. Like this is, is how it is sometimes, you know, same, same for them. Um, yeah. Real life and being authentic. And, you know, we talk about permission slips in school a lot and everything. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest permission slip that everyone needs in education is um, the permission to be real, the permission to be vulnerable, the permission to be human. Yes. Again, not that superhuman, not, yeah. not data, not a statistic, not a score, not a, a, you know, on a bar graph or in a pie chart or it's permission to be human. Yes. Kids, kids accept that. You're right. They do. They accept if you tell them, hey guys, you know, even if you do, lose your temper or whatever. And you say something and then you're like, Oh, and then you just say, listen, I am just so stressed. Have you ever felt stressed? I'm sure you guys do too. And so, but then you've got to be kind and gentle with yes. say act out. And it's, yes. it's a practice every single day. It's not something that we just turn a switch on and it, it happens automatically or we program no, absolutely. It computer. <laughs> yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yes. yes. So do you have um, anything else that you wanted to talk about, about teaching that's like a particular passion for you or um, something that you feel just so that you want the kids to know besides that to be authentic and real and you feel that has to be um, that you want people to know about teaching and, and being a teacher? I mean, I think so right now, um, well, let me take a step back. My school is incredibly diverse. Um, one of the things that I absolutely love about our school, it is, it is literally one of the most diverse schools in the country. Um, and it is the most diverse school that I have ever seen. Um, in terms of like my high school and in college and things like that. And um, I have always with, with the level 
um, three, the level five in the AP, we have a lot of debates and just kind of class discussions anyway. And so being that it is a language class, it opens up the opportunity for us to just kind of talk about all types of issues, but in Spanish. So um, a, a really um, neat opportunity to get into identity and you know, diversity and just self-love and culture and all of that kind of, it's, it's, it's totally appropriate for Spanish, <laughs> number one. Um, it's totally appropriate for the, the, the dynamics and the environment of our school and then just expressing yourselves in Spanish. Um, this year, obviously, with all of the, um, the return to focusing on social justice and equity and um, culturally responsive teaching. Um, it has been a really cool um, school year to bring up and to just talk about, you know, who we are as people, how we identify ourselves as people. What does that mean? What does that look like in school? What has your experience been if you are a student of color in school? Um, there has been kind of a new focus also on our Asian students this year and kind of their, their, um, their feeling of in some ways being um, invisible in terms of you know, a lot of aspects of school culture and class culture and things like that. Um, And so just in, in general, I think one of my passions has always been, um, you know, getting kids just to love themselves in general, you know, to find what it is that they are interested in and passionate about, what they feel um, their purpose is in life and how they can give back to the community. And so, you know, doing that through the classroom um, is one of the, 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 the coolest things to do as a teacher. Um, but I mean, yeah, this year has been just very, very interesting in terms of how do we as teachers address, you know, diversity in the classroom? What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Should, um, one of the conversations that I have been having a lot, um, with Meredith, with a lot of my other colleagues is, um, do we even know what that looks like? Like, I, I think that, 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 that so many of us have kind of been talking about, you know, we need to focus on this, this idea of culturally relevant teaching. And then we're all kind of taking a step back and we're thinking, what does that mean? You know, what does, uh, do, does that mean in like an, in, in, in an ethical way? Does it mean that we're focusing more on our, Um, black students, our Hispanic students, our Asian students, you know, I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't really know um, exactly what that, um, what that looks like in a way um, that allows us to really be equitable and just kind of focus on everybody as people and not focus on you as a particular subgroup, which is one of the, the, the educational terms that we, you know, kind of use a lot. Um, you know, and, and so that, that has just been something that I think next year, when we go back face to face, 
um, as teachers, as administrators, as a school system that, that we're really gonna be focused on is, um, what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, how has that really been affecting our students um, as they sit in the classroom and see themselves, you know? Um, and I, I have had really awesome conversations with my students as well about how they have felt and their experience. I think the word identity that you used is key. That, that you know, I use when, and here again, teaching languages is such a wonderful opportunity mm -hmm. to look at culture and differences and similarities and that humanity in us all. And so that's kind of how I approached it was the kids are finding their identity. We are finding our identity our whole lives. I mean, as old as I yeah. am now, I'm still retweaking and figuring things out about who I am because it's a season again. And it changes, yes. our identity changes according to seasons. And so I would have like, okay, the kid is here in the center and then we're gonna move and see how do you fit into your family? And then how do you fit into your community, your school? How do you fit into the world? And so yeah. it's that center of what is your identity? Yeah. You're be similar to some people this way and a lot of different characteristics and you're going to be different from other people, but it's all okay because it all comes back to center of your Yes. Identity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, this year just, well, because of all of the movements I think because also of our polarized political climate, it has been a little bit more challenging, I would say, to kind of have these conversations um, as a, and I am a, a, a black woman. And so um, as a black woman, I think that for the most part, um, because I have personal experience and um, just, personal stories kind of growing up as a black woman, it, it has, I, I have not really felt any kind of difficulty or any weirdness when it comes to having difficult conversations in our, um, in my Spanish class about race, about racism, about culture, about, you know, things like that, that maybe some of my other colleagues from my conversations with them have said that, you know, sometimes I'm wondering, like, what question should I ask? What should I say if they ask me this? You know, I don't want to offend anybody, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I have always kind of felt like I can just, you know, have open conversations and it's not really weird um, in my classroom. Um, but yeah, this year has, has definitely been a, a little bit more challenging. Um, there are a lot more feelings that, that students have been having, um, you know, about what it means to be Hispanic in the classrooms, what it means to be Black in the classroom, what it means to be Asian in the classroom, um, and you, how they feel like the school system sees them, how they feel like some of their teachers might see them, um, things like that. And so I definitely think that that's going to be a huge focus, especially once we come back face to face um, and we're able to do a lot more training and, and things like that with our students um, and with our colleagues. Um, 
that this is going to be an issue um, that's going to stick around. And that if, if, if people try to push it to the side that, you know, now it's not, this is, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is an issue that's here to stay and that we really need to, um, to focus on. So at the end, we always do a little quick fire, fill in the blank. There's no right answer. It is totally according to what you think. And what you think is the right answer. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So just complete my thought or my, I should say, because it's not my thought. Teaching is. Oh, goodness. Teaching is challenging. (laughs) is especially now. <laughs> yes <laughs> my students are my students are funny well, I think they have a good role model in you with the funny <laughs> I appreciate that what I want the world to know about teaching is is that it is a calling I truly believe that. (laughs) It is. is. Yeah. My greatest hope for all children is. Is that they thrive, is that they, they find their purpose and that they thrive, whatever that is. (laughs) I agree. Well, Adrian, this has been wonderful. You've had so many um, profound uh, things to say. If I were Oprah and we were doing Super Soul Sunday, I'd be like Oprah, tweet, tweet. It's time to tweet, tweet. (laughs) 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 So thank you so much. It has been wonderful. Thank you very much. This was so much fun and I really appreciated this. This was a great opportunity. Hello again, everyone. This is your host, Linda Markley. And I'd like to invite you to nominate a teacher to be a guest on the podcast and to share their story. All you have to do is go to www.spiritofteaching.org and fill out the nomination form. Again, that's www.spiritofteaching.org. Also, please share, rate, and give some feedback to help us better serve you in the spirit of teaching. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to having you back next time on Teacher Tales.